So I got a um, quick question for my coffee drinkers. If you guys know me well, I don't really drink a lot of coffee because I don't really, in my personal opinion, I don't really think it tastes good. It's kind of um, like it would be like alcohol for me. It's like, do people really drink that? Like, I've, you know, you taste it and you're like, this is, this is really, really nasty. I should cut that out so my mom doesn't hear that. But it's just, you know, that's how um, Matt's already got it. <laughs> But I'm like, that's how coffee is for me. I'm like, it, it, in my opinion, it doesn't taste good at all, but I guess there's a purpose to it. So when it's really cold, I, I hate being cold, and I have poor circulation. Matt told me to go like this. So I was in the back at worship at one point, and I was like, yes, Jesus, <laughs> move, you know, trying to get circulation back to my fingers. But anyway, back to the question. When you drink coffee, do you just have that, like, taste in your mouth? I mean, I feel like that's disgusting. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that. I drank it to warm up, and now I just have this nasty taste in my mouth. It's, I would imagine that's like smoking or something. It's carry, carry gum with you. I, I asked some of the coffee drinkers, and none of them had gum. And I was like, I see you guys drinking this. You got some? Now I don't want it. I'll be smacking the whole time in Allie. That's one of Allie's pet peeves. So I can't chew with my mouth open, and I can't chew gum while I'm talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, my title today, I, I think this got taller, or I got shorter. Um, my title today is Set Free. All right, so isn't that so cool? I know, I just came up with that. Um, <laughs> set Free. And today I'm really just going to be talking, um, like just kind of hanging out. Imagine if we are on a couch, just hanging out and talking. Do not imagine that you're about to hear like an amazingly educated communicator, all right? <laughs> we're just having fun and we're just going to hang out. Um, I'm going to be trying to desensitize a topic this morning, all right? I'm going to talk about something that is normally pretty freaky or it's like whispered about in the corner of the churches, you know, like you kind of just whisper the word. So there's a word that means set free and that word is called deliverance. <laughs> I know, right? Normally people don't say it out loud, you know, it's so scary. So I'm going to read um, just like a whole bunch of um, scriptures with you guys today, and I'm just going to try to um, give you my kind of personal experience with what I believe deliverance is and how it's worked in my life, just to kind of, um, you know, maybe break down some of the theology that you might have around it. And like I said, I'm going to try to read a lot of scripture, but I mean, if I read all of the verses about deliverance, we'd be here for like three hours. Like there's just a lot of stuff. So if you have any questions, that's why we have small groups, jot them down as we go. If you're like, hmm, how does that fit into my theology or anything like that? Just kind of jot them down because like I said, I just don't have time to like put every single premise into place. So any questions, just kind of jot them down and we'll go over them later. But I want to tell you the reason why I think deliverance um, gets a bad rep. All right, can you show them the picture, Wendy, um, real quick? So this is light, a fairly big one in my opinion. And that is not rain, those are bugs. Yeah, that's nasty, right? And something that I've noticed a lot of times, it, it can work in a lot of different conversations, but especially in the spiritual world, is sometimes the bigger the light, the better the light, the more powerful the light, the more bugs it attracts. 
All right, so deliverance is kind of like this big, powerful light. And the reason why it gets a bad rep is a lot of people look at it and they go, that is disgusting. Because it attracts a lot of nasty stuff sometimes along with it. So the problem isn't the light. The problem is what's being attracted sometimes by the light. And a lot of times the church's reaction, depending on what type of denomination you grew up in or what your background is, is we step outside and we see a light like that and we go, we should just turn the lights off. We don't need to keep the lights on because that's nasty, that's freaky, and I don't know how to make sense of that. So that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about today is the light is a good thing, but there's not really meant to be bugs surrounding it 24-7, all right? So like I said, we're going to read a lot of scripture. So if you guys have um, your U version, it's going to be up on the screen. But I'm just going to kind of go through some because maybe you're like, what's deliverance? What is that? How does that look? And I'm going to kind of go through that. But I just want to set a premise that it's biblical, all right? So we're just going to read a lot of scripture real quick. I'm going to start in Luke 11. This is verse 20. It says, but I am casting out demons by the power of God. Then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Mark 16, 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons and they will speak in new tongues. Mark 3, 11. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, talking about Jesus, the spirits would throw them onto the ground in front of him, shrieking, you are the son of God. Luke 10, 19. Look, I have given you authority over the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Luke 10, 17. The 72 returned. In Luke 10, there's this interesting thing where Jesus sends out these 72 um, disciples, and they're going out and doing the work of Jesus. And this is when they return, and it says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So there is a theology out there where people don't believe in demons, and I'm not against your theology. I would just have a hard time with you proving it to me scripturally. So, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, this is an interesting one. Now we're into Acts, Acts 19, 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, was doing this one day, and the evil spirit answered them, so they can talk. <laughs> Jesus, I know. And Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. That would be a story. Matthew 12, 43. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits even more powerful than itself, and they all enter the person and live in there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Again, I know there's just, there's so much like theology and roads that we could go down, but 
All right, this is the last one. Um, this is Acts 16, 16. I'm actually going to read more than that if my version will open up. Let me find it. This is, a, this is a cool story, or an interesting story, I should say. So um, this is kind of the background. You guys have heard the story about Paul and Silas when they're in prison, and they're like praising Jesus. It's like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. This is how um, they got into prison. All right, so backstory, here we go. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. Most people say that, you know, Satan doesn't know the future. This is interesting. <laughs> she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Isn't that interesting that sometimes the demons will tell the truth just to cause distraction? This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities of the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officers. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. So that's how they got thrown into jail, which is super interesting. All right, so I kind of want to just give you um, my background of what I think deliverance is or being set free. And again, like I said, I'm just going to kind of talk and tell you my experience. About um, maybe a year and a little bit ago, I started having these dreams of this guy named David, and it was someone that was from our past church that I hadn't seen in like 10 years. And it was just really weird. Like, have you ever woken up and you're like, I've, like God's trying to tell me something, but this is just odd. Like, I haven't seen this person literally 10 years. And um, like I said, it was like two nights in a row, and then the next day I was coming to church, and then Miss Alva walked up to me. And Miss Alva is kind of like my little sensei, you know, if you ever watch Kung Fu Panda and they just, they're so quiet, but you know, they're like powerful, but at the same time, like if you get out of line, they'll like hit you with the bamboo stick type of thing. Like that's literally Miss Alva in my life. Like she keeps me in line. And um, my sensei, Miss Alva, walked up to me and she goes, again, I, she didn't know the dreams. I hadn't told anybody about them. I don't even think I had told Allie. I was just like, this is weird. I'd written some notes in my phone. And that next day, Miss Alva walks up to me and she goes, I need to get you in touch with David. You need to start talking to David. And it's so serious. It's like life or death. Like you have to start talking to David. And I was like, if you would have told me that a week ago, I would have been like, no. <laughs> like I've heard some weird stuff about David. <laughs> like I, I'm not hanging out with him. But I was like, you know what? I was like, I feel like this is confirmation. So set it up. And if you don't know, um, David kind of does what we would call deliverance ministry. So I, I end up talking to him, and, and we meet, and I show up at um, his place of work where you know he also does deliverance. And I walked in, and I sat down, and I had all these expectations of like what deliverance was because I've heard of like exorcism, you know. <laughs> um, I'm like, okay, here we go. Like this is going to be insane. This is going to be scary. And and I sat down, and it's a little bit closer to counseling, but just like super open and like chill environment. And David looks at me, and he goes, Hey, just so you know, 
the reason why I do this is not so I can have crazy stories or so that I can, you know, have these crazy experiences. It's just because God speaks to me, and one of the greatest things in my life is get to hear is getting to hear the voice of God. And he said the second greatest thing is getting to watch people walk out free when they walked in bound. And I was like, oh, that sounds sounds pretty cool. So this guy walked in, and we were sitting down, and we were kind of just talking. And we were going back and forth, and, um, and he would be like, oh, so, so what was your childhood like? And it was so interesting to me as I started to help David and do these quote-unquote deliverances, how it was just normal talking. And what we were doing is a lot of times we we're going to talk about open doorways and how that happens. But most of it was finding things that they did in their past, maybe um, on a large scale. Maybe they got into like witchcraft, or maybe they had trouble with forgiveness, or they had trouble with anger. And what that does, Ephesians 4.27 says that for anger is a foothold for the devil. So sometimes we can make decisions, even though Jesus became the curse so that we didn't have to be the curse, the enemy has been trying to put stuff on us that shouldn't be on us since the beginning of time. It goes all the way back to Genesis, where he deceived Adam and Eve because God gave dominion to man, right? It goes verse after verse. He gave dominion over the birds, over his, you know, it just goes on and on. And Psalms says that um, the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has been given to the sons of man. So God gave over dominion to man. And then Satan's goal was to then steal that dominion, to steal that power. And that's why the Son of God had to become a son of man so that sons of men could become sons of God because he gave authority over to man. All right, But now that authority has been taken back. Now the enemy's goal is to convince you that you don't have authority and to do whatever he can to steal it from you. So he wants to use doorways, that's just kind of a terminology like Ephesians 4.27 says, so that when we make decisions and spiritually we kind of crack this door, like the Bible says, for anger is a foothold for the devil, and the devil sticks his foot in, because verse 26 talks about how you shouldn't let the sun go down on your anger because it's a foothold for the devil. So the devil sticks his foot in, and the word um, foothold means a position from which we can progress. So he sticks his foot in, and he goes, OK, this position, I can progress further. So all deliverance really is is talking about, OK, where do we think the doorways, and everyone has doorways. Allie and I sat down with someone that we love and respect a whole lot a couple weeks ago and went, hey, can you just pray for us and let us know if, if what you're feeling? You know, and we talked about any doorways that we could have opened. It's not like some crazy thing where, you know, again, we have this expectation of what we think, quote unquote, deliverance is. And like, I don't know what your expectations are, or if you've even heard of the word, but a lot of people picture like people screaming and their eyes turn black and like this Hollywood version of what deliverance is. And not to say there's not some interesting stuff that happens every once in a while, but the majority of the time it's going, hey, the enemy took ground right here because of the decisions we made or our parents made or the people around us, the enemy took ground right here. And we're going to make sure that we exercise the authority that God gave us to take that ground back. So that's all it really is. 
And it was so interesting watching and communicating to people. And it's really hard to explain, but you ever just see someone and you can just tell something's wrong? Like they just seem to have the weight of the world on their shoulders. Like, is that only me? But every once in a while you just meet someone and you're like, man, I wish I could do something to help them. And you know, there could be so many instances to why that is, but I got to watch people walk in a room and you just watch them walk in one way. Again, it's really hard to explain. And you start to talk with them. You start to pray with them. You start to go over things that might have happened in their past that maybe wasn't even up to them. And we pray and exercise the authority that God gave us. And you watch just this weight drop off of them. And you watch them walk out completely different than the way that they came in. And there is something so, um, for a lack of better words, addicting to something like that. There's something so addicting to getting to be the hands and feet of Jesus to where you can watch people look like they've been set free. It was really, really, it is really, really exciting. And I remember um, David was telling me one story about this guy that He's, we're always, you know, telling stories about random things that happen. And, you know, there's just this weird conception of, well, what does that look like? What, do you have a demon? Like, what is that? It's just really weird terminology, you know, and it kind of freaks people out. But the honest truth is, is that there's a whole spiritual realm going on. And it's a little bit weird to talk about, and you know, it's hard to comprehend a lot of the times, but we're not fighting against flesh and blood, you know? There's a lot going on in the world, and when we open doors, the enemy wants to progress. And he was telling me about this um, big basketball player that came into his office one time. He's a big guy. I think he said he was like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and he walked, down, he walked in and sat, sat down and was talking to David. And somehow um, they ended up on the subject of basketball, probably because he played basketball. And he was asking him how it was going. And he was like, yeah, it's real good. He said, you know, I have this guy on my team that makes fun of me all the time. <laughs> and David was like, you have someone that makes fun of you? <laughs> like, you are terrifying. <laughs> like, why would anyone do that, you know? And he started talking. And the guy was like, yeah, and this guy's a pastor. And he just makes fun of me all the time. And obviously, that's screwed up, right? <laughs> and David's like, hey, you know what? I want you to try this one thing. And he said, whenever the guy, um, when you're hanging out and you're playing basketball, just under your breath say, I bind whatever the enemy is trying to do through that man. And the guy was like, but he's a pastor. And he's like, I'm not saying he's not a pastor and he's not a Christian, but what do you have to lose? Like, just try it. And the guy was like, all right, I'll, I'll try it. <laughs> I don't know what you're telling me. I don't know what theology you're giving me, but, but I'm going to try it. And he told me about Three or four months later, the guy came back in his office, and he was talking to him, and he's like, hey, so did you try, did you try the thing? And the guy's like, yeah, I got a story to tell you, actually. He said, I, I tried it. He said, under my breath, you know, I was, -da 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 -da. you know, I bind whatever the enemy's trying to do over there. And he said, for about a month and a half, the guy just stopped. He's like, he wasn't picking on me. It was the weirdest thing. 
And he said, one week I, I went in there and he's like, it got so good, I completely forgot about it. And I walked in, the guy was calling me a baby. He was making fun of my mom. He's like, it was ridiculous. It's like the, the gates just opened up. And he said, so now I never forget. He's like, the pastor makes fun of everyone else on the team, but not me. <laughs> And it's just you start to see, again, like if you guys, everything's not demonic, of course. I mean, there's emotional trouble and all of this different layers, but you guys should try it. If you have people at your work that are just always, you know, 24-7 on you, I would challenge you, you know, what's the worst you have to lose, right? I would challenge you to go, you know what? Whatever the enemy's trying to do, I bind that in the name of Jesus. Because there's something powerful. You don't have to say it. I would urge you not to say it loud enough so that they can hear you. But the person might not hear you. But the spiritual realm hears what's going on. And there's power of life and death within the tongue, right? So this is like a very interesting topic. And it can freak a lot of people out because it's unknown. We've, maybe we've grown up and we've seen kind of the bugs that surround the lights. But there's something so special when you actually get a glimpse of the pure, authentic version of it. And you get to go, wow, this actually isn't that freaky. This is why the Bible talks about it time and time again. This is why there's something special about getting to watch people be set free. That's all deliverance really means, is just getting to watch someone be set free. And the truth is, it's not something that you have to go to you know, David for, you know, talk to me about something that you can do for yourself. You can sit down, you can go, God, have I opened up any doors? Have I allowed, you know, there's this parable that Jesus tells about um, this, this man that refuses to forgive. And he, and he goes, if you, he throws him over to the tormentors and he says, if you refuse to give, our heavenly father will do the same thing to you. And it's like this really creepy verse. So a lot of times, um, a doorway that we open is unforgiveness. There's a lot of different ones that we can do, but taking a moment and going, God, is there anyone that I need to forgive? God, were there times that I let the sun go down on my anger and I left a door cracked for the enemy to stick his foot in? Were there times that I opened a door of lust? Were there times that I opened the doorway of pride, whatever it might be? Are there places in my life where the enemy has stuck his foot in the door and he has tried to progress forward? Because the enemy, the spiritual realm, it's actually quite interesting, but it's like super legalistic, meaning that they are, they're like a lawyer, like they are going to fight for their point, meaning if you leave a door open, they have the right then to be there. Just like when Adam, Adam had dominion over it, but when he disobeyed God, he then gave dominion back, gave dominion over to the enemy. So the enemy had legal right to then claim that. And the enemy's having that same fight with you and me every day as he's looking for a legal right to then claim something that is yours, to claim something that the Father has already given you. So we can have these moments where I do it on the lawnmower all the time because that's the best place in the world. And um, I'll be riding around and I'll go, you know what? God, have I opened any doors? And I don't know about you, but you know, you, all of a sudden you get this like random thought. You know, sometimes on stage we can say, and then God spoke to me. 
you're like, well, what is that like? God speaking to you is like when you go, God, have I opened any doors? And all of a sudden, it's like you're thinking about how you were rude to Caleb. I don't know how anyone could be rude to Caleb, but I guess that could happen. And you're like, oh, yeah, that was it. And the first thing that I opened this doorway, so I got to tell you how I did it. But first thing would be, okay, now I have to go to Caleb because the Bible tells you to leave your gift at the altar and first go fix it with the person before you ask for forgiveness from the Father. And you go, Caleb, I'm really sorry for what I did to you. And whether or not he spits in my face or not, I did what I was supposed to do. And I go, okay, Father, will you please forgive me and will you please just clean out anything that the enemy would have tried to do through that doorway? And then after that, you do this really cool thing because we read that scary verse, right, about how when the demon left and the place was swept clean, how he went back and grabbed seven more. That's freaky stuff, right? So we do this really cool thing where we go, hey, God, will you fill any gaps? Anywhere where the enemy might have had some, some territory, anything that's swept clean and empty now, will you, give, will you just fill it? Will you show me how to continually fill those empty places so I don't leave a gap for the enemy to come in? And you know, and sometimes it's super easy, it's super clean. Like I said, 90% of the time, it's nothing really that exciting. But the truth of the matter is, if you were in a massive home with hundreds and thousands of doors, it's pretty quick and easy to go shut two or three it's a lot harder when you have to shut all 1,500 doors in the same house, right? Can we imagine that for a second? And the truth is, depending on what your lifestyle was like, depending on what you came from, what you were into, there could be a whole lot of doors open. And a lot of times, you know, no one really makes it through life without getting broken, without getting hurt. And the enemy uses things like that. So it's like just this massive onion at times, peeling things back constantly, trying to, trying to find where, where we might have left a door open. But it's just communication with the Holy Spirit. That's all it is. I remember um, one of the interesting ones I did, there was a guy that came in, and he was, um, he was an enforcer for a gang. So obviously, that might have had a different background than, say, your life, right? <laughs> Maybe some more doors are open. We started to talk about things, and you get, just get to see the levels that people have been in, the messed up stuff that they've gotten into. And it's like, OK, you know, this is where God wants to bring healing, and to watch healing come to someone like that. So deliverance is a very, um, very interesting topic, and it can be a scary topic. But that's all, <laughs> that's all it really is, is it's trying to learn, OK, God, what what do you want to do? Because I know the enemy wants to take ground. I know he's trying to take ground. So how can I make sure that, that the doors are shut? If you guys listened to my message on inheritance where I talked about generational blessings and generational curses, that would kind of give you a lot of the theology behind how I believe that that happens. But a lot of times, just based on where we live or our family, sometimes we can open doors. And it's real easy just to take a minute and go, hey, God, is there anything that's open? Is there anything that I can pray about, that I can be aware about, and just kind of go from there? So we're going to do that real quick, um, if you want to. If you don't want to, like, no pressure at all. All right, because this has to be something that you want, of course. But I'm going to urge you just to take a second. <laughs> 
And again, like I said, this isn't weird, all right? I'm trying to desensitize you to the weird idea of deliverance, all right? Because it's super normal and it's not weird at all. But um, let's just take a minute and, and ask the Father because God still speaks, right? And say, um, God, is there anyone... First, let's pray. I'll pray first. <laughs> so, Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your blessing. And we just ask for protection to just surround each and every person here. We just come against anything that the enemy would want to do, any retaliation, anything like that. We just speak peace and blessing and protection on every family, on everyone's finances. We just pray blessing in the name of Jesus. All right, sweet. Now go, hey, hey, God, is there anyone that I need to forgive? Is there anyone that I need to forgive? And then if you get a, a random name, if you, maybe it's yourself, maybe it's God, whatever it might be, just kind of um, say, I'm choosing to forgive so-and-so, and just say it not loud enough for so-and-so that's sitting next to you to hear. That would be embarrassing. But just loud enough for the enemy to hear and go, I'm choosing to forgive this person because then what you're saying is you no longer have legal right. I'm choosing to forgive. And then go, God, have I opened up any other doorways? And then if anything comes to your mind, whether it's... Um, it's anger or lust or whatever it might be. If you want to, just say, God, will you please just wipe that clean? I just break that tie that I made with anger. I break that tie that I made with pornography. I break that tie I made in Jesus' name. And then we'll do this part where we go, and God, will you just fill me? Any empty places, anything that once was there that now is gone, will you just fill me in the name of Jesus? And Father, we just bless everyone here. We bless them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. We bless their family line. We just break off generational curses in the name of Jesus. We break off any poor soul ties in the name of Jesus. We just ask for your filling, Father, for your blessing to be on our family, a blessing that lasts a thousand generations. In your name, amen. So not that weird, right? 
that was that was deliverance, right? <laughs> that wasn't that weird, right? See, there's this um, interesting connotation that sometimes falls the word, and it's because of all the bugs that surround the lights, where we get a little bit freaked out, and we've seen a lot of bugs before, and we go, I'm going to stand clear of that. And really, that's just the enemy. That's why um, this lady was following Paul and Silas, or I think that's who it was anyway. I just read it. And she's going, they have come to preach God. And it's like she's telling the truth, but she's trying to twist it just enough. She's trying to twist it just enough so it turns people away. So it makes it weird, so it makes it awkward, where people go, I don't want any of that. And the enemy's perfectly okay with that, right? Because he just wants lukewarm people. He doesn't want people on fire that are set free and know the authority and power that they're walking in. That's pretty much all I got. You want me to say anything, John? Anything else? No? Anything else you're thinking? All right, cool. Um, like I said, hopefully you guys got lots of... Um, like, I don't know if hopefully is the right word, but if you have any questions, we're going to be at small groups at Taylor and Matt's. Again, like I said, they're Instagram famous, so please come. The website or the address is on the Church Center app, or you can ask, and most people that are here, and we will all know because we're best friends with them, even though they're Instagram famous. <laughs> they make a lot of money from their Instagram. <laughs> I was just messing. Anyway, I'm serious, though. So, this was the opening to deliverance. I know I could go down so many back roads and the premise is interesting because every single thing has to fit into your theology. But the thing is, if you believe that God still speaks, if you believe that he still heals, I know there's people that don't, if you still believe that he can move today like he did in the book of Acts, then deliverance is part of it. You can't pick and choose. I know you can have a theology that says, nope, God doesn't speak anymore. But if you're going to accept part of it, this is going to come along with it. If, if your theology believes that God still speaks, then deliverance is a part of it. And it's not scary, it's not freaky, it's not anything that's going to, you know, make you run for the hills, but it's something that's powerful that can get you set free where chains can fall. And even though, you know, you might not feel different, just at the moment of salvation where God goes, I'm making all things new. Something shifts, something changes whenever we take authority that has been given, when we take the authority back from the enemy. All right, so I'm going to pray over you, and then we can go eat or do whatever it is you guys do on Sunday afternoons, hopefully not opening doorways. <laughs> All right, so Father, we just um, ask for your blessing on everyone here. Um, we just ask for direction and conviction that we'll just be filled with love, that will love on the people around us, God. I ask that you will speak to us each and every day, that we'll think about the things of heaven and not just the things of earth, that we'll realize that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but there's something much more to this world. There's something much more to what's going on around us. I ask for eyes to see and ears to hear. Just thank you for your blessing. I thank you for your sacrifice, for what you've done for us, for how you love us. In your name, amen. 
Sweet. Thanks for coming, guys. Hang out, talk. We love all of you. If you need anything, um, let us know. We'd be happy to serve and help you any way possible.